Welcome to Talking Shop, the podcast all about Adobe Photoshop. Brought to you by learningphotoshop.cc. Here's your host, Dave Cross. Hello and welcome to episode 44 of the podcast all about Photoshop. In this episode, I had the pleasure of sitting down with expert Photoshop trainer Jesus Ramirez, and we talked about all kinds of things to do with Photoshop. My name is Dave Cross, and this is the Talking Shop podcast. If this is your first time here, I am a longtime Photoshop educator who loves to talk about Photoshop. In this podcast, I do exactly that, sometimes by myself and sometimes with someone else. In this case, Photoshop expert trainer Jesus Ramirez. Now, before we get to that chat, let me tell you a little bit about Jesus, as the host of the Photoshop training channel, Jesus Ramirez is a San Francisco-based designer and speaker who has more than 720,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel. He's written for many industry publications and spoken at many industry events such as Adobe Max, Adobe Summit, Creative Pro, Photoshop World, and Creative Live. And I had a lot of fun talking with Jesus about all kinds of things, including sharing some of our more embarrassing Photoshop teaching moments. Here's my chat with Jesus. All right, we're, I'm here with Jesus Ramirez. We're in lovely Las Vegas at WPPI, and uh, he's agreed to sit down and chat about the world of Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we're in Vegas. Thank you so much for having me, David. Yeah. It's awesome uh, being here, hanging out with you. Awesome. So give us the quick sort of summary of where, how you got to where you are today. Oh, man. <laughs> I uh, got in a plane and flew to... No. <laughs> Basically, I just liked um, artwork. Like, I used to draw comic books as a kid. I, I'm a big Spider-Man fan, and I enjoy just drawing. And then one time, a friend of mine, his father used to be a graphic designer and I saw that he had Photoshop I want to say Photoshop 6 installed in his computer and I was like oh that looks cool and then immediately I thought I can use this to enhance my drawings um, so I I won't say how in the podcast but I got myself uh, <laughs> Photoshop 7 <laughs> and I started just scanning my drawings into the computer and painting them over with photoshops and i started messing around with layer styles and applying you know like the texture on on spider-man's suit and doing that kind of stuff and and that's how it developed just just for for because i like drawing comic books mm -hmm. that that was how it started so how did that progress from then just using photoshop into deciding you might want to do some tutorials and that kind of thing um, well, then we're skipping over a whole bunch of stuff, but I guess I'll briefly explain it. I I got to college, and in those days, and I know you're a soccer player. I, I used to be a soccer player as well, and um, all I wanted to do was play soccer. So I just started emailing a bunch of universities, and like the only one that responded is the one I went to. <laughs> and luckily for me, it was very close to home. Um, so I, I actually lived at home while going to college, and it was time to pick a major. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> and I just looked through the list of majors that this school offered, and, and multimedia was the only one that piqued my attention. And I ended up doing multimedia, which um, is a program that no longer exists at Cal State University um, Hayward at the time. They changed the name to Cal State East Bay, um, which is where I went to school. And now they don't have it anymore, uh, that, that particular program. It's not there anymore. But what it basically was, it was 
just taking like a Photoshop class, an Illustrator class, a mm. Flash class, and multimedia. There you go. Right. Here's your degree. So, <laughs> so that's that's how that happened. And then after college, I my first job out of college was a designer for Motorola, and I did that for um, I think two years or something. And then I tried to start my own business with some friends. That didn't work out. I was their designer. Um, we were doing uh, graphic tees for soccer players. So okay. um, it, they were soccer themed shirts. And then um, I decided to become a developer. So I learned how to uh, code. I went on to lynda.com and, and you know started watching CSS courses and HTML courses and PHP courses. And I became a developer. And I worked for a marketing company for about, I don't know, seven years. And during that time is when I started missing graphics, just creating stuff in Photoshop. And I started just posting videos on YouTube and, and, and then people started liking them. and. <laughs> At the time, I wasn't saying, I, like, if you watch my first 10 videos, they're still there. Like, I don't even say my name because I didn't want it to be about me. And, right. you know, like, I just wanted to, I just wanted to do, put out the work and, and mm -hmm. hopefully people would enjoy it. And, and I was very fortunate that they did. Like, you can't do this anymore, I don't think. Or maybe you can. I don't know. But um, when, when I reached 100,000 subscribers on YouTube, it was maybe after three years of doing it. And I only posted 10 videos. And I, I was very fortunate that for whatever reason, a couple of videos went quote unquote viral. Why? I don't know. I wish I knew because I would keep doing that over <laughs> and over again. The point is, is that, um, yes, I was taking it seriously, but I wasn't like, you know, just like going crazy with it. Like probably I am now. I'm, I'm you know, doing, I'm probably done more videos in the last two months than I did that one year. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? But um, it's a different mentality. In those days, I was, like I said, creating things that I thought, I mean, don't get me wrong, the things that I do now, I also consider fun. But in those days, I was like, oh, I'm going to do this cool movie poster that I think will look cool. Oh, I'm going to do this. Um, I think my second tutorial ever was like a, almost like a one hour compositing video on how to create like an alien egg, you know, transparent alien egg or something like that. So I was making more like long form projects, as whereas now, I'm focusing more in my mind. I have more of like an instructor mentality, which is like, oh, so if a beginner was watching this, which who probably is a person watching this, what do I need to say or how do I need to say it? How, how do I make it accessible? Whereas when I first started, it was more like, I want to do something cool. And, you know, and, and this is cool. And, right. you know, like I would skip over some steps and or wouldn't assume that people knew what I was doing. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the, the number of subscribers. So you have have certainly reached uh a high number, and I'm sure it continues to grow. Do you get any kind of sense through feedback as to if there is such a thing as a typical viewer? Are they mostly beginners, or how does that kind of work? Well, I don't, I don't necessarily get a typical feedback um, per se, but I do see patterns in things. So, for example, I mean, there's no way I'll ever know, right? But I'm taking very educated guess uh, to answering your question. So, I assume that most of my typical viewers are. Inter no more advanced than intermediates. I think that was a horrible way of saying it, but they're either beginners or probably intermediates, but, but mostly beginners. And the reason that I say that is because I've noticed that when I try to do something more advanced, um, the engagement in the posts is less. And if I do something that may be slightly advanced, but I approach it in an accessible way to a beginner or the video is a beginner level video, it gets more engagement and, and, and people seem to like, more people seem to like that.
So, and it makes sense, right? If you're an advanced user, you're probably not going to be on YouTube too much uh, searching for, for things unless it's something very specific. Right. Yeah. Um, interv an intermediate person might or might not. So if you're a beginner, you're probably going to be searching on you anywhere, like YouTube, um, Google, or wherever for, for ideas on how to do the project that you're working on. But um, it, it makes sense. You know what sure. I mean? It's funny you mentioned that the idea of like different levels, and I, I did an episode of this podcast recently that I just sort of said, what does advanced mean? Because mm -hmm. I'm sure you've yeah. had the same thing yeah. where you get comments like, when are you going to do an advanced tutorial? Mm -hmm. And you're like, mm -hmm. what exactly does that mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. what is advanced and what classifies something as advanced? Is it because it takes more steps or, you know, it's interesting yeah. to see different people's perception of what advanced really well, means. I'll tell you what it means to me. And I was just having a conversation with someone who you may know. I don't know if your friends or know Chris Converse. Yes. Yeah. yeah so Chris and I are, are very good friends. He's an Adobe Mac speaker. He does a lot of design work for Adobe. Um, and... Chris and I were just talking about that, about like being advanced and the way that we kind of said that like, you know, you would consider somebody an advanced person is we could sit down and have a conversation and, and talk about it, like about Photoshop and without like having to explain like what we're talking about. So like, I guess like a way of it would be like, oh, you know, when you go into like this menu and then like the file menu and then the scripts panel, you have the image processing, whatever. And like, you don't, I don't have to explain to you right. what that what is. is yeah. And then, or if I'm having an issue, that's how, that's how this thing came about. We are having an issue and I forget exactly what the issue was, but you know, when you click on this menu and this happens, yeah, yeah. And then that other thing happens <laughs> oh yeah that's because you didn't click on this checkbox right. you know what i mean like so you're all, almost imagining in your head yeah, photoshop without yeah, even without even seeing, looking at yeah. it right so then we were saying that there's not a lot of people that outside of the world that, like in this conference we can probably do it with 30 people right mm -hmm. or maybe more you know but if we're at home with our friends like, yeah. nobody's gonna know but even if they're intermediate they still wouldn't be able to picture it in their head right so um i think that's how i would consider someone an advanced user and obviously not everyone's gonna know like every menu or what everything you know the, like what every single option does because everybody has a different area of expertise mm -hmm. right a photographer may not know where all the 3d options are for example sure. but they're an expert or like a graphic designer may not know like all the options in camera raw, but they're still an expert sure. in their field. Yeah. So like, I don't think that anyone knows everything. There's certainly some people that know a lot, but I've never seen anyone that knows everything. Right. The only thing that I find, I'd almost say frustrating is when people imply that you're holding back from them. Like, you know, like I was doing the class on selections and they're like, but, but what about advanced selection techniques? I'm yeah. like, I've shown you everything. Like I'm not holding yeah. back any yeah. super secret, you know, advanced trick. These are what I use every day. It's yeah. just, sometimes it takes more time because it's more difficult to select. Yeah. It's not like I'm holding back some yeah. <laughs> uber secret that only the uh, certain people know. Yeah, or you, you gotta give the secret handshake. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so actually I had something similar where somebody said something like, how come every time I take a class, the instructor always shows something easy. And I'm like, well, because if it was difficult, then you wouldn't be able to grasp the concepts. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, it, and it usually comes with masking. Like, well, why is the model up against a solid background all the time? I was, I'm like, because that's how it's done. Like, right. why would you not do it that way, right? <laughs> and then, like, my the example I like to give people is because I, I get, a, I mean, and then you probably get a lot of flack for it too, like on YouTube or, or other places where they'll say, oh, well, of course you got a good selection. The, the person was up against a, a flat background. Right. And my answer is, like, do you go, like, on, you know, movie directors, YouTube channels and say, hey, why don't you use green screen on the Avengers? You got to rotoscope that out, like, on a busy background. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. no. And then the answer is like, well, my pictures are not like that. Look, I understand that there are certain situations where you have to work with what you have. 
if that's the case, then you do have to either disregard certain parts of the image because they're just impossible to select, or you have to like paint them back. If it's mm -hmm. hair, for example, you have to paint strands of hair in by hand. But the point is, is that you know, like now you're just working with an image that that is not ideal for the job that you're that, that you want to do, and right. and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But you can't get mad yeah. <laughs> at, at somebody trying to teach you mm -hmm. the proper way of doing it. And not to say that. Because even in movies, right? Um, I've seen, for example, like uh, a, a, one of the examples that comes to mind is the movie Forrest Gump, where he shakes hands with um, President uh, John F. Kennedy. Mm -hmm. They actually got footage from like Kennedy and like overlaid uh, Tom Hanks in it. But they they base it's basically the same problem, right? That they didn't have like John Kennedy standing on a, on a, on a green screen. Right. You know, they had to like rotoscope him out. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like the same problem, right? You made a, you may be working with a photo to use for a composite, and you didn't shoot it, or you're using a you know somebody else's photo with a busy background and then you then have to just just work with what you have and use yeah. all kinds of techniques not just one technique um for example when you are using select and, and mask for example mm -hmm. people always complain oh well it, does, it doesn't work great it's not perfect yeah nothing's perfect mm -hmm. you know you have to that's where i think that's uh, one thing that a lot of people get confused they expect photoshop to do any everything and as good as it is now with um the Adobe Sensei and, and all this machine learning technology is still not perfect. So mm -hmm. you do have to do a lot of work. And, I'll, and by the way, I'm quite, I'm talking about movies because I love movies. So every time <laughs> I talk about anything, I think about movies. So now a, a line from Toy Story 3 is you can't rush art, right? So I consider this like an art form. So if you're, for example, masking something out, very rarely you're just going to do a one-click solution, right? right? And that, that's... And I know I'm in this game and I know I'm probably like talking about people like me, but like that's something that bothers me about a lot of YouTubers. Like I, 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 I've heard somebody say, and I'm, I wish I could uh, know how to attribute it to, but they, they call them the one click wonders on YouTube because I feel like sometimes we, we could, because I'm in this game, we could be a little misleading and saying, oh yeah, you just do one click and it selects everything. Well, so that's not really true. It, or, it'll select like 90% of it. And in a lot of cases that might be good enough for you. But if you really want to get something good, you have to spend a little more time sure. fine-tuning and getting things right yeah and I always talk about like I was teaching the class yesterday and I said select subject as an example usually in my opinion gives you an excellent start certainly when you compare to the alternative of you having to do it yourself right. it's still great but it to go in with the expectation that you'll just do that and go hey it didn't get every single bit well yeah but look what it did do mm -hmm. yeah you know look yeah. at it from that perspective again and I think I hate to say it, but I, in some ways, I blame Adobe because sometimes mm -hmm. in their demonstrations, right. they pick an image which it does yeah. do a perfect yeah. job. Yeah. So everyone has that expectation. Oh, cool! Yeah. I can yeah. just press this, and suddenly it, you mm -hmm. know, and it's like, well, I, I, nah, maybe not, but yeah, it's, right. you know, but it's still. I use the phrase all the time, compared to the alternative. Yeah. Think about how long it would have taken you to do some other method. Like I still see people take the pen tool and mm -hmm. trace around something. I'm like. I, I would still try select subject first. You mm -hmm. may still decide to go with the pen tool ultimately, mm -hmm. but don't jump into that right away without at least trying mm -hmm. the automated one to see what kind of start it gives you, and yeah. then you can fine tune it. And actually, I just made a tutorial just on what you said. So if you want to use the pen tool, what I recommend that people do is create an action where you do the select subject. It'll select the subject as a selection, obviously, mm -hmm. marching ants. And then you can go into the path panel and create a vector path base on that selection. 
and then you can convert that vector path into a vector mask and you can do that all basically with quote unquote one click sure if you do that as an action so right. even if you wanted to use a vector <laughs> mask there's still you can still use that technology yeah. to uh, get you jump started obviously it's not going to be perfect there's some fine tuning but to your point it saves you a little bit of time sure. and, I, and at the end of the day i think that's what those these new automated tools are meant to do i don't think they're in the perfect world maybe you know god knows 100 years from now <laughs> adobe sensei will be like skynet it'll be super smart and take over the world or whatever and it'll give you like a big perfect beautiful selection around anything you want but at the moment that's that's yeah. not the world we live in so just just take advantage of these tools like um for adobe max which i know you were there before i did a um, presentation on automation and I wish I had the numbers uh, in my head but I don't but I had a slide uh, a slide at the beginning of my presentation that basically said if I'm able to save you like two minutes a day you know in a week that's X amount of mm. you know right and I made the math and it worked out to basically eight hours um, in it in a day so I basically gave you a day off or whatever I'm sorry eight hours in a in a year so I basically gave you a day off or something like that mm -hmm. I forget what the math was and people uh, started clapping and, and, and very, very happy because that's the way that I see it as it's not gonna save you like a big huge chunk of time like in one day but saving like five minutes a mm -hmm. day or whatever it is sure. it adds up to a lot yeah. of time and I don't think people realize that that no I think you're right I mean I I talked in my class yesterday about because I was doing one on Photoshop efficiency and I said for me I asked for a show of hands said how many people use keyboard shortcuts yeah. and it was probably like I'd say maybe 20 percent yeah and I said, how many people hate keyboard shortcuts? And it was probably 20%. <laughs> and I was like, I think part of the reason is because you're in your head, you're like, there's no way I'm going to memorize mm -hmm. all these control, alt, shift, whatever. Yeah. I'm like, so just think of the tool shortcuts. Mm -hmm. You know, tap a single letter mm -hmm. and it activates a tool. And if you compare how many times you'd be dragging your mouse yeah. back and forth across your big monitor, that adds up pretty quickly yep. for something that's very simple. And now you're yeah. just memorizing a letter, not yeah. some combination. Yeah. And, and adding to what you just said, what I tell people to do is think of the stuff that you do all the time. So like, are you, you don't, have, you, for example, you say you just remember a letter. Yeah, but there's, how many tools are there? You, am I gonna remember all those letters? Probably not. But if I'm always using, I don't know, say the, the, the move tool, which is probably one that most people use mm -hmm. all the time, remember V, like right. remember, just remember two or three. Mm -hmm. Remember the ones you use the most. And if you don't remember them all, that's fine. And that goes for all the other uh, keyboard shortcuts. If you find yourself, doing a task over and over and over and over again, does it have a keyboard shortcut? And if it does, then then use it. Even if it doesn't, you can apply one to it right. and then save yourself some time. But I, I, I and, and that kind of goes back to to the beginning of the conversation is you have to be at a certain level to, to even understand the benefits. Um, sure. A lot of times it's difficult to understand things because you don't know what you don't know. Right. So then it, 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 it just might not make any sense if you're starting out that if workflow efficiency is something that you should even be worried about because you're so worried about other things, you know what right. I mean? Yeah, no, that's, a, that's a very valid point. And I have talked with beginners who are already thinking about, I, I keep people keep telling me I need to develop a workflow. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, you, yes, but you still, you don't know what how to do it yet because you haven't right. kind of figured out your style or what, what kind of things you need to be doing. So you, it, you can't just sort of, jump in and I, I also, I put, one of my pet peeves is when people say, so-and-so told me I should use this type of workflow. And mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, workflows are about as yeah. personal as it can be. Mm -hmm. So to just because someone else, that's just them saying, really, this is what works for me. 
it may not or, work for you. But. I'll even add to that. This is what I've been doing because right. we, we're all creatures of, of habit. Mm -hmm. And I have bad habits that I I try not to show. But sometimes, like, I'll give you my biggest bad habit ever. <laughs> and this started – I still I still catch myself doing this now. So when I first started using Photoshop, I didn't know how to deselect. You know, Command-D, right. Control-D, deselect. And what I figured out by just clicking on stuff, because, you know, when I started using it, there was no YouTube or not, you mm -hmm. know, I'm, I'm 37. So it's, I'm not that old. I started with Photoshop 7. So, you know, like, but even then, like in those days when I started, there was nothing, you know, maybe Photoshop Cafe with Colin, <laughs> like our friend and, you know, maybe like Kelby and maybe um, Total Training with Deke McKellen. This is the yeah. videos that I ended up buying. But the point is, is that like I had to just click on everything. So I figured out that if I had a selection and I selected the rectangular marquee tool and just clicked on the canvas, the selection would disappear. So that was my method of deselecting for years until I figured out Command D or Control D. And every now and again, I still catch myself doing that. And just because I made it a habit for right. so many years, and now when I know way better, and I still, still, <laughs> every now and again, will do that, just when I'm not thinking. And I think that, uh, going back to your point, is when somebody says, well, this is the best way of doing it. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but the point is, is this is the way that you've been used to doing yeah. it. You know. So. And at the same time, in, in that case, it's a quote-unquote bad habit in the sense that, yeah, there's a quicker way, but at least you're still getting it done. It's yeah. not like you yeah. people get stuck and go, I don't know what to do. Right. So you were still deselecting. It just ultimately happens there as a quicker way. Right. But it wasn't like it was a, a mistake where you were right. know, painting yourself into a corner yeah. or something yeah. where you were like, uh-oh, now yeah. what do I do? Yeah. And when people sort of stare at the screen and go, eh, I don't know what to do now. Yeah. <laughs> And I think it, it talking about mistakes, like um, I just had a, a mistake on one of my videos. It Oh, man, it kills me. <laughs> and I didn't want to take it down because I didn't realize that I had made a mistake until like much later. And somebody called me on it. And I was like, man, this person's right. I, I To make a very long story short, the mistake was that I was explaining how something works. And then I accidentally left the layer off because I was turning layers on and off to explain something. And I left a layer off. So then everything I was saying was still true. But since the layer was off, it wasn't really making sense on okay, screen. Because right. I'm clicking on all these layers <laughs> on and off. You know, you turn this layer off, this happens. You turn this layer on, this happens. And somewhere along the lines, I got lost. And I, I forgot to turn a layer back on. And like... It just annoys me because it's there now, and I don't want to take it down because like the that happened like in the last two minutes of the video, basically. So like the whole video is great, but then those last two three minutes, whatever it is, like I just forgot to turn a layer back on, mm -hmm. and it just kills me because somebody <laughs> one person um, out of I don't know how many views just caught it, you know, mm -hmm. and they made that comment, and I was like, well, first of all, thank you so much for telling me, <laughs> and now it just bothers me so much that, that that's there, and like. I, I'm pretty good about catching mistakes. Not, not. I wish it was always before I publish videos, but like sometimes I'll, I'll publish something and I realize, oh man, I said that wrong, or oh mm -hmm. man, I, I wish I would have not said it that way because although it, it's true for what's in the video, it's not, it's not a general truth. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and, and it goes back to what we were saying, like making making it accessible for beginners. An advanced person will realize that what I said was true for that specific thing, and realize that it's not true for everything. But a beginner 
might get confused and think that that's a general truth, not a specific mm. truth. So yeah. like I, I struggle a lot when I figure <laughs> out that I made mistakes because I, I have taken down videos before where I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to have this up. This is, you know, like there's no way I'm going to have this mistake up, you know? Yeah. My biggest one that I did years ago that haunted me because I'm usually so good about this, I had been editing and I didn't realize that at some point I must have taken a clip and moved it really far to the right mm. just temporarily yeah. but because it was out of my lane yeah. my vision I exported the video yes. so that it ended I thought but then there was this whole like <laughs> yeah. two minutes of black yeah. and then me talking again for like yeah. 15 seconds people were like what was that and yeah. I'm like oops <laughs> yeah yeah I've done that the other way around where for whatever reason I moved the video forward so like the first I don't know how many seconds is black and then I come on <laughs> so I, I know I know how that goes actually one of my one of the videos that I've made that like I wanted to take down, but it was actually my first, well, I don't know if it was my first, but one of the few quote unquote viral vi videos that I've had, it, it's got a million views now, but there's a mistake at the end. And it was one of those mistakes where it's true for what I said in the video in context of the video, but the way that I said it sounded very general. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just to give a quick description, it's basically when you have a, a curves adjustment layer, and um, in that particular video, I was talking about that when you click and you drag up on the red channel, you would get cyan in the shadows. That's not true. Uh, that's not true because technically you should get red when you drag up on the on the red channel in the curves adjustment layer. You should get blue. I mean, you should get a red. I'm sorry. But since I already had a, a point there when I dragged up, it created sort of an, uh, an S curve. Mm. So then it added cyan to the shadows. <laughs> right. But I didn't say it like that. I literally said, oh, when you drag up in the red shadow, it adds cyan to the shadows. But I was like, I wasn't thinking, you sure. know, because that's what I knew that was going to happen. I wanted that to happen. Right. But when I said it, it sounded like, oh, yeah, when you drag up on the red yeah, channel. Every you, time. Yeah, every time. <laughs> and that haunted me. And I wanted to take the video down. But I like I, I realized I had said that the next gig, if somebody asked me a question about it, I was like, I didn't say that. Like, why would I say that? And mm -hmm. I went and watched it. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, I said that. A generic statement with you know and it should i should have not said it that way i should have said this is going to happen like this because there's a point there and the point is is that it was one of my first quote-unquote viral videos and it already had over twenty thousand views in a day and for me at that time i was like oh my god like there's no way i'm <laughs> going to take this down so i left <laughs> and to this day it's got like a million views and it's got like that stupid mistake there that really <laughs> bothers me and like every time someone leaves a comment, I have to go and say, well, that, you know, like basically explain what I, I just right. explained to you. Yeah. But it just bothers me so much that like I was like, how did I not catch that? You know, because every time I record a video, then I watch it, you know, mm -hmm. just to make sure there's no mistakes. Sure. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's so silly. Like I should have realized that like a beginner person would get confused um, if there's, you know, if there's no explanation that the other point will affect the second point that I create. Well, what one of part of what I get out of that whole story, I was is the fact that you care about it because a lot of people would be like who cares you know i did it oh, it's no. already up there you know what the heck i don't care but i obviously published you... that video like six years ago and it's still bothering me <laughs> <laughs> and and that's the thing like i i feel that i i have to be like see no, like you said right no at the end of the time at the end of the day nobody cares right like but i care and i hate to put out information that is either incorrect or not um Sure, there might be a different workflow that to some people may be better, and that's okay, but it doesn't make what I do incorrect. I hate to 
put out incorrect mm-hmm. information. You right. know what I mean? So if you tell me, oh, I prefer vector mass because of this. Oh, I prefer layer mass because of this. Like that's just like a difference in opinion. And yeah. maybe they're right in certain instances and maybe I'm right in a certain instance. But if I say something that's incorrect, then that really, really bothers me because I feel that my job is to make sure that what I say, because I'm putting myself in this position, right? I'm, I'm putting myself out there as a quote unquote expert, whether I am or not, that's a different point, but that's, that's, that's where I'm putting myself in. So if I'm putting myself there, then I need to make sure that I live up to those standards because sure. again, people don't know what they don't know. Right. So if I say something that's incorrect, I don't want to you know, cost any, and, and at the end of the day, we're just pushing pixels, right? So it's not like going to die or anything, but <laughs> I don't want to like, you know, get them stuck for hours in their job or school. Cause I made a mistake. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so that's, that's why I care so much. Also, uh, without naming any names, I've seen a lot of videos on YouTube where people say wrongful information. Like one of the biggest things I've seen by, by again, not going to mention names, but a, a known YouTuber was like, oh, if you apply a filter to a layer, you have to unlink the layer so that the layer mask is not affected. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, no, you don't. You know, like, so I see stuff like that mm-hmm. all the time. And like, I understand people could make, like, I just mentioned to you that I made mistakes, that we're all human, we're all making mistakes. But I feel like that's like a mistake of just not knowing how something yeah, that's, works. That's just giving wrong information. Yeah. It's not yeah. unintentionally being yeah. misleading or something. Right, it's right. just wrong. So Yeah, exactly. So so when I see things like that, it like bothers me. But again, like, it's just, just me. I'm, I'm just probably too we talked about this last night at dinner we both played um soccer Mm -hmm. and i'm still have my athlete mentality when it comes to this because i'm I'm very competitive although it's not like a field with players and and you know very tangible um ways of telling who won or who lost like with goals or championships or Mm -hmm. whatever but that mentality still in my head that i want to do the best that i can i want to um you know, you were talking about like I care so much. Well, yeah, because that's the 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 game that I'm playing now. Mm-hmm. So if I'm playing that game now, I'm gonna train hard. I'm gonna, you know, that mentality of me being an athlete is still there with my job now. Sure, makes so, sense. So that's that's I guess where that competitiveness comes <laughs> comes in. Awesome. All right, we're gonna continue this chat in just a moment, but first, it's time for the tip of the week. Here's a tip I use all the time when I'm using free transform on a layer. After I've pressed the shortcut for free transform, I realize that I want to see the underlying layer a little better. So I just lower the opacity of the layer. So while you're in free transform, you can still adjust the opacity to help you see better what you're transforming. Once you're happy, put it back to 100%. With short tutorials, in-depth multi-lesson courses, and live Q&A sessions, LearningPhotoshop.cc provides the Photoshop training you need to succeed. All right, I want to switch gears a little bit. I I think you are too active in some of the Photoshop user groups on Facebook. And the other day I saw a comment or a question, I guess, and it was one of those things I thought, boy, this is so typical of an of issue <laughs> I see. And it's kind of a, I would almost classify as a, either a misunderstanding or not really knowing what Photoshop can and can't do easily. Because mm-hmm. this fellow, or I think it was a fellow, posted a photograph from a concert, and right in front of the guitarist, someone had held up their phone to mm. take a picture. And his question was, how do I remove the phone? Right. And he made it sound like, so the guitar would show. And I'm right. like, yeah, that's, you know, and, and of course all the comments were, 
no, you have to like find another photo of yeah. the guitar, and yeah. it, it just seems it's one of those I think misperceptions that because sometimes sometimes people just see before and afters mm -hmm. that they kind of think, oh yeah, just just take out the phone. Yeah, and yeah. So I'm kind of curious. Have you run into that with questions you get where people yeah. some of the way they ask things make it seem like. You realize they don't quite get what's yeah, <laughs> what is it, and isn't it, it possible. Is, it, it's a lot like that whole like zoom in and enhance on TV shows and movies, right? <laughs> right? Like it's like a pixelated image and you zoom in and it's like crystal clear. Like yeah, I think it comes from that. Um, yeah, I got a lot of a lot of questions like that, and it's mostly like um, since I do a lot of compositing work, a lot of the the compositing questions that I get, I'm like, wait, why would you think you could do that? Like for example, um, it's just like a, a like you know like a low res photo from like a phone and like a weird angle, and then there's a different beautiful gorgeous background of like some image they found online like you put that in here i'm like well first of all the angles are completely <laughs> off there is absolutely no way that you know you could realistically get this well photo into that background but i think it, it goes back to what we were saying like um you don't know what you don't know mm -hmm. so if you see these magical things happening on you know, whether it's Facebook, YouTube, or, or, or advertisements from, I mean, I guess Adobe in this case, you are somehow led to believe that all, the, I mean, I do think that Photoshop is a magical tool, but like, I think that some people don't know that that magical tool has its limits. And I think that since we live in a world where, you know, people are doing deep fakes and all this sort of crazy stuff, that anything will be possible with, you know, the photo that I got from my cell phone that's like, you know, like mm -hmm. pixelated and ugly with bad <laughs> lighting, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think that people think that you could take like that crappy, grainy photo and then somehow make it look like, you know, like one of the photos that like Joel Grimes will take or mm -hmm. something like that. You know what I mean? Just yeah. because of using Photoshop, right. you know? So I, I, I do think there's a lot of misconceptions and it goes back to people just not being educated enough as to what the uh, tool can or can't do. And I, uh, I'm using that word very loosely. You, mm -hmm. I don't think people should be educated unless you're doing what we're doing, but sure. um, they just don't know the limits or capabilities of the so application. Along that lines, one of the things that I feel like we, we all as educators need to do is start a campaign to take out the word remove <laughs> and say p cover up or yeah. something like yeah. that because as soon as you say how do I remove that person yeah it's almost like they feel like they can just help peel him off the photograph yeah. and the background yeah. will be yeah. there and I'm always saying well what you're gonna have to do is cover him up so it looks like he was yeah. never there and yeah. at least that gets people realize well cover up with what oh I guess I have to figure out a yeah. way to f find those pixels and I yeah. think that's part of it is just the terminology can be a little misleading. Yeah, it definitely. And it's funny that you bring up that word remove because, um, again, I'm in the YouTube game. So I, I sometimes do um, SEO like research to figure out what people are looking for. So a lot of the language that I use in the titles of my videos recently has changed to match not my language, mm. but their language. Makes sense. And remove is a word that's often included yeah, in a is. lot of the uh, Photoshop um, search terms, mm -hmm. uh, search queries on Google. So um, it, it's interesting that you brought up that word because I because it's a word that I didn't start using. I use it more often now because that's the word that people are using when they're looking for something. Right, that makes sense. But it and that almost it has the potential benefit of. Since they've searched for that, yeah. you can in the video right. say, now you're probably looking at how to remove someone. Yeah. I would actually word it this way, but at least you've got their mm -hmm. attention. Right. It kind of reminds me of a discussion I had years ago with someone at Adobe who was in charge of like the help system. And mm -hmm. he was asking for my thoughts on, on the help. And this, yeah. was, this was early days, not as good as it is now, but in the kind of early days. And I said, you know, the problem with help is that 
it's almost like you need to know the answer mm-hmm. to know what to search for because yeah. someone who ultimately the answer was the healing brush, they're going to search for remove scratches yeah. or something. Yeah. They're not going to search for the healing, healing brush, yeah. but it's almost like the way the help file worked at that time yeah. is you almost had to know what the solution mm-hmm. was to be able to, and I was like, yeah. you need the help needs to be, how do I remove a scratch? How yeah. do I remove a person? Right. How, you know, And then that leads to the discussion of, yeah. of the tools because as you said, if someone doesn't know, then they don't know. So they, they might look at all the tools and go and look at the little, you mm-hmm. know, uh, tool tip thing and go, yeah. okay, it says it can cover up a scratch, but I still don't quite get it. Right, right. You know, and that to me is, I guess, part of our job as educators is to, to mat- marry the two. So, yeah. that, you know, a thing like title it, remove a person, and then in the video right. explain what it's not really removing, it's covering up. Yeah, yeah. You know, to kind of make those things people yeah. understand. And what I started doing is telling people that if they find the, for example, the spot healing brush tool, and you see that little, you know, when you hover over the toolbar over the tool, it'll show you that this animation with the description and title of the tool. And and if at that point you still don't know what it does, what I tell people to do is go into Google, type in the name of the tool, spot healing brush, and then do help X, Hmm. Adobe, because then you'll go into the Adobe HelpX website where there usually is a lot of explanation on that particular tool. So my second tip is if English is not your native language, after adobe.com, if you do um, a slash and then like the two initials for like your language, like for example, Spanish will be actually it's MX for Mexico, but um, you put MX high and then a slash. So you kind of in, after the .com, you would put in slash, the two letters, and then slash again and hit enter. Um, it'll translate it to that language because Adobe has, I think, I forget the number of languages, but like maybe nine or ten languages that all the HelpX pages are translated to. So um, German will be like, um, I think is DE or whatever the, the mm-hmm. you know two-letter is. Italian is IT. Japanese is JP. Um, but anyway, so, so so you can try it with like your language and see if you could um, find it. And then you can read the, the descriptions of those particular tools in your language. Um, and the reason I found out about that was because um, I, I do some speaking engagements in Mexico. And I don't know the name of any of the tools in Spanish. <laughs> like I'm like speaking Spanish and it'll say like spot healing brush tool because <laughs> I didn't know the names. <laughs> the, the point is, is that. When I was in Mexico, um, when you search, um, when I searched for something, something came up in Spanish, and I was like, "Oh, this is cool! This is Adobe. This is like Adobe Mexico. Like, what is this?" And I realized that the uh, the URL had that extra characters mm. in there. So then I was like, mm. hmm, "I wonder if that'll work when I'm in the U.S." And when I came back, I tried it, that's and it really, worked. That's a great tip. And then I, you know, tried it with like all these different languages, mm-hmm. and Italians there, Japanese is there, Korean is there, uh, French, German. So like, mm. depending on you know, like, because I know there's people. I mean, we're right here, we're in Vegas in the U.S. and I know there's a lot of people here that English is not their first language is not my first language so um, I know that it might be beneficial for them to um, read it in a language that they better understand like for me I, I rather read everything in English because if I read it in Spanish I get even more confused <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I know that some people would prefer it in a different language so that's a tip there for- so just out of curiosity I know when I was in Canada the government is officially bilingual French and English yeah and there was this ongoing debate because a lot of users wanted, they didn't want a French version of Photoshop where all the menus were in French. They just wanted the ability to, when they typed, 
they could get all the French accents. Mm. So when you're like teaching in Mexico, as an example, do they typically have a version where everything is in Spanish, even the menus and the tools? Yeah, so that's a very interesting question. Um, so the answer to your question is, yes, there's a version of Photoshop that's all in Spanish, 100%. But while I was there, I found out that most people use the English version. And the reason for that is that there's not a lot of training in Latin America. Mm. And the training that is available is not as good as the English training. So a lot of people basically have to learn English to follow Photoshop right. and then they just keep using the English version because they'll go see you or whoever online and you know it's a lot easier to follow along just having the same menus sure so that's something that the Adobe team in Mexico told me because I said, hey, should I install the the Spanish version of Photoshop in my machine? Because then that was going to freak me out because I wasn't <laughs> going to recognize anything. Um, but they were like, no, it's all right. Like most people use the um, the, the English version because mm. that's how they get their training. Right. You know, that's the, the tool that they use or the, um, the interface that they see when they're learning from sure. videos online. So they, they don't. Another weird thing that I found out um, that I thought was weird with um, Mexico specifically, not every country in Latin America, but like their ver as from, a, and that could be totally wrong. This is several years ago, so maybe this changed by now. But um, they were saying to me like their monthly fee for the Creative Cloud fluctuates depending on how much the dollar is mm. worth in pesos. So like, you know, if you're getting the photography plan for nine bucks a month, uh, you know, it's always nine dollars a month here in the U.S. But nine dollars is never, well, no, I shouldn't say never. It's not always the same. Mm. It changes from day to day based on the, on the currency exchange. <laughs> so I thought that was so weird that one month you would pay a certain price right. for Photoshop <laughs> and next month could be more, could be less, you know? It's like watching stocks. Yeah, you know, yeah. I was like, oh, God, am I going to be able to afford Creative Cloud this month? You know, like... <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of like weird, interesting things like that. I know some countries don't have access to Adobe stock for whatever legal reason. Mm -hmm. So when I've done training abroad, I'm like, can I talk about like Adobe? <laughs> like, what can I talk about here? Yeah, like, what do you what restrictions do you yeah. guys have here? Because um, I don't want to. I I don't remember. If, I think it was Panama. Uh, I don't remember if it was Panama or what country I was in, but they were like, yeah, don't talk about Adobe stock because, you know, like legally we can't hmm. sell Adobe stock in this place, but everything else is, works the same. So hmm. it's just so weird. Interesting. So give us an idea if people want to, where, where do they find your stuff? Like your YouTube and all that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, just um, Photoshop Training Channel is the YouTube channel. And then PhotoshopTrainingChannel.com is the website. And from there, you will, you'll find everything. You'll find the speaking events I'm at. You'll find the social medias, Instagram, all that fun stuff. So just Photoshop Training Channel. And from there, wherever you want to find me, you'll be able to find me. Awesome. Hey, Jesus, thanks so much for, for the chat. It was very interesting. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I had a lot of fun. Well, hope you enjoyed that chat with Jesus Ramirez as much as I did. Really fun guy to talk to. We had a lot of fun, and we talked for quite a bit after the microphone stopped recording. One of the things I particularly enjoyed was his willingness to admit his mistakes, and you could tell that it still bothers him, and that, as I mentioned in the interview, is an indication of how much he cares about his training. So I'd also like to thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed it and you haven't already done so, please consider leaving a review on the Apple Podcast Store. I'm Dave Cross. See you next time. Please subscribe and tell your Photoshop using friends. Find us at talkingshop.show. This podcast is not authorized, endorsed, or sponsored by Adobe, publisher of Photoshop.